check. On this episode, we interview the pharmacist in charge at Terrytown Pharmacy. We discuss two-way text messaging with patients, scheduling vaccinations, and COVID testing. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith. I have a very special guest on the call with me today. Uh, we are going to chop it up on a lot of cool things that I'm super interested in, especially in the um, community pharmacy world. Uh, so I'd like to welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Ranan Ching. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, happy to be here. Hey, so um, we first connected, actually, we did a panel uh, for a webinar for NTPA, and um, I, I just started hearing a lot of cool things that your pharmacy was doing. I was like, man, I really have to get this guy on the podcast. Um, so yep. here we are, and uh, that was a couple weeks ago. Um, before we kind of jump into some of the cool, innovative things you guys are doing at your pharmacy, um, I'd like to uh, first give you an opportunity to just introduce yourself to um, some that might know, not know who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Ranan Ching. Uh, I was actually born on uh, Oahu, uh, Honolulu, Hawaii, so kind of raised up on the islands and moved to Austin, Texas, um, yeah, kind of like around middle school. But yeah, kind of stayed in Austin, went to undergrad in uh, pharmacy school here at the University of Texas at Austin, College of Pharmacy, and um, I actually started uh, working here at Terrytown Pharmacy, the um, store that I managed in PIC for when I was 18. And so <laughs> I've been here for a while and um, yeah, love uh, working an independent, love um, just like the space and taking care of patients. Um, I also got married back in March right before everything shut down with COVID. And so nice. um, that was quite the experience. But yeah, my wife's name is Katie and um, she actually is a physician that works uh, for a pharma company. So it's been really fun because we always have a lot to talk about. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, congrats on, on that. Um, I've had a, a milestone for me recently, which is just, you know, crazy to do all these things in a pandemic. But um, my son is 11 weeks old now. So it's, you know, having know, him. Yeah. yeah and, and just in a time like this, it's wild. And I imagine like being, you know, getting your life started in marriage, too, is probably a really interesting time to do it in, um, in times where you Definitely. have to quarantine. So cool. So definitely. So it sounds like you've always been kind of in the independent space, especially when you went to pharmacy school. Do you think that mm -hmm. that was kind of always the goal for you or um, uh, did it uh, did it just and like give us a, some insight into kind of what you were thinking, kind of going through school and then what your your future was going to look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I was introduced to independent pharmacy very, uh, very early at a very young age. My uncle owns an independent pharmacy on Oahu. And so growing up. Um, I would always go to the pharmacy, spend time with him, you know, jump behind the counter when I was uh, really, really little. And he still runs that independent pharmacy today. And that's really where I kind of fell in love with the community pharmacy. Um, he is in a poor part of uh, the island. And so a lot of his patients can't afford their medications. And so on many occasions, I would hear him barter with his patients and, you know, say, hey, I know you can't pay this month, but, you know, you have eggs. So they would uh, oh, bring man. eggs and, and pigs and chickens and, you know, uh, Hawaiian barbecue and just the way that he helped his patients. I mean, I think it really gave him the freedom to do that. And everyone just congregated at the pharmacy. It was like the the town hall or like the, the town center. And so I just love that that feel of it. And so um, I always knew I, I really enjoyed independent pharmacy. And uh, when I started college at UT, I knew I needed to get experience. And so called, I think, every pharmacy in a 30-mile radius in Austin. And um, Mark Newberry, the owner of Terrytown, 
um, called me in and I started working here when, yeah, I was 18 and same, same type of vibe that I got at my uncle's pharmacy. Just the fact that, you know, here at Terrytown, we've been open since 1941 and we have patients, you know, in their eighties and nineties that remember getting gumballs from the machine when they were teenagers. And so, um, I just love the stories and, and just meeting the people. And so I just, yeah, it just felt at home. And so I always knew I wanted to be an independent pharmacy, whether it be um, ownership or managing or, or staffing. I, I just didn't really know what my journey would take me to. But I'm so grateful and blessed to be where I'm at and um, have the support of Mark and just, um, yeah, just be an independent. I, I love it. So I've connected with you a few times now um, in person, also at some of the uh, trade shows. But um, hearing your story is it actually kind of makes sense, kind of how passionate and why you're so passionate about the things that you're doing. So I'm um, really interesting to hear that backstory. I never I never knew that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, there's a couple of things that piqued my interest uh, that you were talking about on the NCPA panel. Um, one of them was uh, digital pharmacists and their ability to create two way text messaging with patients. And I think you had mentioned that your pharmacy is using something similar. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give us uh, can you give us maybe some insight into what's that like? And maybe some examples about how it's helped like with workflow and communication. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, we, yeah, we've yeah, been with digital pharmacists for a long time back actually before when it was RX wiki, I think we were the first pharmacy they signed up because they were based here in Austin. And so, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Andy's one of my good friends over there and yeah, we've worked with him for a long time. Um, our two way chat feature or our two way secure messaging is actually through our pharmacy software pioneer. Um, I know digital pharmacists has a solution as well, but I think more globally, um, we talked about on the panel, just the idea of two way texting and, um, HIPAA secure messaging and that freedom you kind of get from that. And, um, it, it's really, really interesting kind of seeing, and I know Richard, you and I have talked about it before, interesting to see the trends in technology and what people want with communications. And so um, I know I did a lot of research a few years ago for a talk I did at Pioneers Conference about uh, communication and technology. And we've really have found people want texting. People want to be able to look at their, their watch or look at their phone or look at their computer and just see a little thing pop up and know exactly what it is, you know. Um, it's kind of cumbersome to look at a voicemail or, or even just see you get a missed call. You know, um, we get so many robocalls with the, um, you know, with the election and everything. A lot of times people might just think, ah, just another call, just ignore it. And so text messaging is definitely a big part of, I think, communication moving forward. And I think there's a lot of things that we could discuss for sure about the best way to do that. And also just the logistics of it too. I think we talked more globally about like, what that look like logistically of, of texting, you know, and what does it look like in the real world? So now at your pharmacy, is there a, would you say that there's a large percentage of people that are utilizing that kind of um, texting feature or is it something that's still kind of just kind of catching traction with uh, your customer base? Yeah. And so the pandemic has really been interesting to kind of push that forward as well. I think all of us are familiar with, you know, text for notifications, like your prescription is ready or, you know, hey, it's time to get this refill. Um, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, something that was really interesting for us is that we were really accelerating through utilizing text messaging. And so at the very beginning, we did curbside and delivery only. So we didn't allow patients to come to the store. And we really wanted to open up text messaging, especially the two-way text messaging, as an opportunity for us to interface with our patients. Um, and at the time, it was great because, you know, you really narrow in what you can do and what you can offer. 
So because I didn't have someone that needed to be face-to-face with the patient, I had a tech dedicated to answering the text messages and things. And man, it was, it was hard. It was, it was something that was really difficult for us because a patient would text us and everyone has different, you know, expectations of what a text message should, should look like and how long it should take to respond. So, you know, we had someone that would text and, you know, it would be a minute before we responded and they were fine. And then you had someone that, you know, they texted us and 30 seconds later, they would, you know, send us a a question mark or like a (laughs) question emoji, you know? And so, so I think it was very interesting to see people have different expectations for text messaging. And um, we also found it was kind of hard or easy um, to, to have things fall through the cracks. So what happens if someone texts you, Hey, I'm outside. And, one of my texts missed that message or it doesn't get read or I get or someone thought it was taken care of. And we have a patient just sitting outside. Um, I know that happened to me when I did curbside pickup for, you know, like dinner one time and I sent a text and someone forgot about me. So I have to call them back. And so I think there definitely are some dangers with two way texting. Um, uh, especially if the patient's expectations aren't met, I think you're kind of opening yourself up, um, not in a bad way, but you just have to understand that there are different, expectations for different people with a text message versus a phone call you know we have you know people being put on hold that might be an issue but otherwise you talk to someone you get an immediate response and so that was something that was really really hard for us um and 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 we actually corrected that once we opened the store back up um we actually kind of pushed people away from texting to kind of again be more of a one-way texting where we could communicate things through text but always would bounce someone to call us if they had questions, you know? Gotcha. And so it was a, it was a really interesting learning experience, but something that I'm glad we did. And, and we, we, that, that's what worked best for us at least, you know? Yeah. That's actually really interesting, a really interesting insight because it's very similar. Even like the things that fall through the crack. I mean, even, you know, with personal relationships, you can okay. see a text message and right. you can read it and then you're, you're in the middle of doing something and then, which obviously like at a pharmacy, that's obviously, you know, you're in the middle of doing a thousand things. So, you know, it's probably easy to just kind of like say, I'll, I'll get back to that. And then you forget. And all of a sudden it's been two hours and you haven't responded. So um, right. that's actually a really interesting insight. It's also interesting to hear about the um, the response time, because it is true yes, that yep. there's sometimes you, someone might send a text. I'm like, oh, I don't really expect to hear back for another couple hours. And some people it's like kind of urgent. Um, was there any sort of initial expectation setting? Like when you, maybe when someone first learns about the service to maybe say, Hey, like we'll respond, um, you know, within like five to 10 minutes or respond within an hour. Like, was there anything like that, that you guys had provided in terms of communication for the expectation? There really wasn't, but that's an excellent point. (laughs) We should, yeah, you should have, yeah, helped us out when we started. Um, I think, I think that, that would be super helpful, um, I think it's interesting um, just with that communication piece because so much of it, um, what we found is that, you know, patients kind of read what they want to read, right? Or they notice what they want to notice. You know, if you put a big sign on front of the door that says, do not enter, you're probably going to have one in, I don't know, 10 people walk in the door anyway, you know? And so um, I, we didn't have that anything specific because also, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of think just off the top of my head, it's kind of like one of those billboards that say, you know, prescriptions in five minutes or whatever, you know, it's like you yeah. want to set expectations, but sometimes it's difficult. And, you know, like I think um, a couple of screenshots that I've seen of people doing two way messaging, you know, a pharmacist didn't respond to a text message for 15 hours, right? Like if you st- close your store at six, um, you know, in the evening, 
and you don't open again till nine in the morning. I mean, that's, I mean, that's quite a long time to kind of wait to hear a response, but um, you never know, you know, yeah. um, actually just sitting here, a, a text message popped up on my screen where one of my patients sent a new discount card, you know, um, I, I saw that and one of my staff will probably take care of it or, you know, go ahead and add it. But it's something that we we'll, we still utilize, but we just don't advertise as much because again, you know, just managing that expectation, you almost need a full-time person just monitoring it um, to not um, let quality suffer. And that's some, one thing that here at Terrytown we really value a lot is quality. And so if there's something that we can't guarantee, you know, a home run, um, we'll try it. But if it's just something that just doesn't seem like we'll be able to meet our high expectations of excellence, then it's something that we just can't do. You yeah. know? And so um, I think what we've really found our stride in um, has been specific one-way text. So not just texting for your scripts ready, but we have quick text built into our, our you know pharmacy system for prior authorizations or something's not in stock or, you know, things like that. So basically um, if, we don't have something in stock. I have a pre-built um, text code that you can send and say, you know, hey, Richard, uh, a prescription that, you know, you ordered or, or a prescription we're working on isn't in stock. We're going to order in that and have it for you next business day. If you have any questions, call us at, you know, here's our number. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like semi two-way, you know, it's, it's like you, you notify them and you let them know that if you need to talk to us, this is the method that we prefer, you know, and yeah. we'll still have some people text back and say, that's fine. Or, or can you go ahead and partial it? And, you know, that might happen, but again, it's not, you know, 600 people a day using that service, you know? And yeah. so we're kind of utilizing it a little bit more kind of like, yeah, that it's almost like, you know, 1.5 way texting, you know, yeah. it's like you, you, you give them the option to, 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 to feedback with you, but you also kind of steer them in what direction you want. So and that's this is all new. We're focusing on. Yeah, yeah like definitely. it's all new. So it's like I'm like there's no best practices right now for you know setting no, up a text not. messaging with your patients. And it sounds like you guys are kind uh-huh. of pioneering that, which is which is awesome. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, obviously there's other pharmacies doing it, but you know, you're part of that group of pharmacies like that are like, have this initial learning curve about like, how do we text our patients? We know we have to, how do we actually do it? Um, so it's really interesting to kind of hear what some of the challenges are there. So um, thanks, thanks for sharing. Now, um, one of the, uh, one of the other things too, that had piqued my interest in terms of, uh, what sounded really interesting about how you guys were operating the pharmacy was about scheduling, um, and billing for vaccinations um, and using Definitely. Shopify. Can you give us some in- insight there? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, just like you said, like everything's new in the pandemic and everything's changing. And so one thing that I was worried about probably in July or August when I started, you know, getting gearing up for, for flu shots and we started getting our, our doses in was um, how do we make the experience getting a vaccination as comfortable and safe as possible for people. Cause a lot of times when you think about, you know, a, a chain um, immunization, right. You walk into a big box chain, you see this huge long line. People are usually, you know, sitting right next to each other waiting for 20, 30. I mean, you know, the chain uh, you know, down the street from us, people would come to us because they said that they were waiting an hour for their flu shot, which is crazy. And, in a pandemic, you just can't do that. And we know that we need people to be vaccinated. So trying to give people the expectation and the the safety and comfort to do that, the, um, the idea of scheduling just made sense. Um, at the time, you know, we had started doing COVID testing. So we were doing things on a scheduled basis with all of our COVID testing. So I already had 
a vision and you know real world application of the beauty of you know an appointment where people walk up they know exactly when their their test is or their vaccine is they know the expectation and the big thing for me is i could staff appropriately right i don't know if 50 people were going to show up at nine in the morning when i only had one pharmacist here or if they were going to show up when i have plenty of overlap you know and so being able to control that um, we have the scheduling capabilities that I was able to get one of our, you know, we're right next to the university. So I have probably like six pharmacist interns that work for me. And so being able to have a pharmacist intern just scheduled for giving vaccines for five hours or four hours in a day. And the fact that we can get 50 people immunized in a matter of four hours and it took none of my pharmacist time is, is huge. And so, um, yeah, if you go to our website, terrytownpharmacy.com, you can kind of see what it looks like. Um, but yeah, we have um, a third party app that we use through our website and people book appointments on there. Um, I was able to you know, customize email uh, receipts so that when uh, you sign up, you get an email confirming your appointment time, your, your date and also instructions like, hey, when you come into the pharmacy, you know, go to your left hand side. There's two immunization rooms. Wait outside in the socially distanced line, you know, like five minutes before your appointment and we'll call your name, you know. And also it's amazing, too, because, you know, we type flu shots, you know, 24 hours in advance, 48 hours. Like, you know, I think my techs have already typed up all the flu shot appointments we have throughout the weekend, you know, as of yesterday. And wow. so it just made it way more efficient for us to not be on our heels when someone walks up and drops a family of five in our lap when we have to type flu shots, you know, we have the next, I think what, 200 flu shots we're going to do already typed up. And, you know, all that information was able to be gathered ahead of time, you know, um, as well. So it was something that was really cool. And like, I'm so thankful that, you know, we were able to adapt and, and move with it because yeah, if COVID didn't happen, we would have done things the exact same way. You know, we would have just had forms and taken care of things, but um, it was really cool to see how appointments really shaped our workflow for COVID testing and being able to apply that with our, our, our flu shots has been really, really cool. Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds amazing. And a lot of times I feel like most pharmacists probably think of like, wow, it would just be so much easier if these are all scheduled instead of having the walk-ups. Yeah. Um, now you said that there yeah. was a third party um, app that you were using and I actually want to see if we can like give some real specific tactical advice yeah. for an oh, yeah, owner for that sure. might be listening. What, yeah. how exactly did this get set up? So if I'm an owner of a pharmacy and I'm like, you know what, I'm, that's it. I'll, all I want to do is schedule these. How do I get that yeah. done? What, what did you guys do? Yeah, for sure. And so I think man, it's just like a perfect storm. So we converted our website over to Shopify. We also have a gift shop, a really big gift shop in the front of the store. So uh, we wanted to kind of get into online sales. So we actually converted our website over to Shopify um, maybe like two and a half years ago. And so with that, you know, Shopify is a huge e-commerce website. And so Shopify, you know, basically think about if you go to buy, you know, um, clothes or, or, or like, you know, like recreational like things or, or whatever you need to do, um, or any sort of like online boutique, it's usually run through some sort of e-commerce website. And just like, you know, Facebook and all those other social media platforms, they have third party apps that you can use within the site. And so, um, we researched a lot of them and Calendly, like C-A-L-N-D-L-Y was the one that we specifically used for our website for flu shots. And it was super customizable. It was super kind of easy to use and it accepted payments. And so for some of my, um, appointments, um, I, uh, actually like have a little service charge for, you know, cause we have to sanitize the room and everything. And, 
And so, um, yeah, we added just like a little COVID, you know, vaccine fee and people can just use their credit card and get it all taken care of. And so, um, that's what we use. There's a bunch of different apps out there that can be utilized. Um, it's just, you know, um, it's just interesting to kind of like to, to see what's out there, but that's what we use specifically. That's really cool. I mean, I think, you know, those are two sites that are very user friendly and, you know, without any sort of tech experience, you know, owners can probably kind of do this themselves instead of needing to actually hire, um, you know, like, like another company to actually do that. So, um, really thank, thanks for that insight there. Now you mentioned COVID testing. How's that been going? Like, you know, what kind of experiences, how hard was it at the beginning? How's it going now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, COVID testing has been, been, been amazing. It's been a really cool service to offer to our community and our patients and, um, yeah, it's just such, it has been such a whirlwind, you know, we started COVID testing back in July and, um, it was just the perfect storm. You know, we had our clear wave license since 2016. We've been doing, you know, A1Cs, blood glu- you know, blood glucose, uh, rapid strep and flu. We, you know, we grew that business a lot the last two years. And so we already had everything in place. And, and the good thing is we actually had even both machines, um, already available for the, the COVID tests that were released um, for point of care, clear wave COVID testing. And so BD, Abbott, um, ID Now, and then Quidel were basically the big three antigen, um, well, I, I shouldn't say antigen, the big three diagnostic COVID tests. And so we had the Quidel meter already and we had BD. Um, and then I actually just recently got the Abbott ID Now. So now we can offer the rapid molecular too. But at the time, we were doing just strictly Quidel um, antigen testing. And man, it's been amazing. It's been really, really cool to see. And uh, my staff has been amazing because we had to pivot real quick and learn a lot of stuff and, and develop things and hire people. And so it's been, it's been really cool. Yeah. Now it sounds like Terrytown has, um, you know, is really forward thinking, um, is trying to be kind of on the front lines of innovation with how they're operating the pharmacy. So what else is it that you guys are doing that uh, maybe other pharmacies aren't either thinking about or are not normally doing? Yeah, I think the big thing on, on my radar now is the COVID vaccine. Uh, I think I think it's on everyone's mind, but I think a lot of people are just sitting and waiting. And so I think one of our big strengths here at Terrytown is that we're not afraid to fail and we're also not afraid to try. And so, um, you know, I guess what failing looks like is, hey, let's order, you know, some COVID antigen tests and see if we can get some people to sign up for appointments, right? And if we order, I don't know, 100, 200, 1,000 tests and they go unused, yeah, we might lose some money, but is it, you know, is it, what's the risk? What's the downside? You know, if it blows up, I mean, it's amazing. And if it doesn't, then, you know, what's the cost to us? And so, the big thing that I'm thinking about now is the COVID vaccine. And so before even all the vaccine front runners came out, you know, I bought a ultra low freezer <laughs> that nice. could go down to negative <laughs> 89 degrees Celsius because, you know, I don't know, maybe one of the refrigerated vaccine gets passed first and I don't, you know, I have a really expensive fruity pop, you know, freezer. Um, but, um, if it, if it hits, you know, like people are going to start ordering it when a front runner comes out by that time, the lead time is going to be two, three months and it's going to be too late. And so about four or five weeks ago, we, we placed the order for a pharmaceutical grade ultra low freezer and, you know, should be in any day now. And, you know, just in time for us to, to try to coordinate with the Texas state health department and um, other different vaccine providers through the government, just to let them know, Hey, we're probably the only one in central Austin 
that even has this device. And so if you're going to give it to anybody, it better be Terrytown Pharmacy, right? Yeah. It better be this independent pharmacy that doesn't have to go through 5,000 boardroom meetings to determine if we want to even buy like a doorknob, right? It's like, I, I, I think that's a really big strength and um, of independent pharmacy. And I, I think, you know, kind of get your input on it too. When you go to trade shows, a lot of times you want to talk to the independent pharmacies, right? Because if you talk to someone who's a, you know, a chain pharmacist, they don't really have the ability to make that much change. But what's so cool about an independent is that the world's our oyster. If we are interested in diabetes education, we can do diabetes education. If we're interested in vaccines, we can start our own vaccination program. You know, it's like if we're not limited by anything except for our own like kind of imagination and what, what we're allowed to do um, by law, like state law and stuff. And so that was what's so interesting to me is that, you know, you see all these big chains signing these contracts for COVID testing, but really the only ones that can really move quick enough to make all these changes are independence. And so that is a huge strength that um, I definitely don't take for granted being an independent. And I think a lot of other independent pharmacies need to take that mindset of the biggest strength we have is that we can adapt quickly and we need to find those opportunities, whatever it is, right? If it's COVID vaccine or, or COVID testing or diabetes education, what can we do quicker than anyone else and, and, and find a way to make that as best as we can, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And, you know, when I'm at trade shows, it's definitely much easier to talk and, and to get things done with uh, smaller organizations and independents, because like, I think you guys, uh, you guys are a customer with Meds on Q. Uh, yeah, um, and, you know, I remember when we first connected, it was like, oh, yeah, this sounds awesome. Like, you know, let's set up, let's set it up. And like, I think within a matter of weeks, you guys are launched and, yeah, you know, it was super easy to do <laughs> versus, yep. you know, going to like a larger chain. It's like, OK, well, we got to set up a meeting, but then we had to reschedule that because like seven other people couldn't make it. And, right. you know, yeah. so it's it, it's definitely um, it's definitely a lot easier. And, and the speed that you can operate at at, a, at an independent or a small company um, is just unmatched compared to a um, well, you know, there, there's definitely some trade offs because I'm sure larger companies and chains have the they have the resources, but it's just slow definitely. to get things done. Um, right. But I would much rather be on the scrappy side and, um, you know, yes. have the speed uh, to be able to get things done. So but yeah, good, good points there. Um, now, one last thing about your pharmacy before we, we touch on a couple other things is uh, you guys have a, a residency um, at a program. Uh, can you tell us we about do. that? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I like my whole time in pharmacy school and um, and going through, you know, like just being a preceptor and everything. I had never really looked at at residency because the whole time I was in school, I was independent, independent. I want to be a community pharmacist. I, you know, everyone's telling me about residency and all this stuff and, you know, oh, you know, be a quote unquote, you know, clinical pharmacist. And, you know, for me, like if I'm a retail or a community pharmacist, I am a like clinical pharmacist, right? Like I have to know every disease state out there because any one of my patients could have HIV, they could have cancer, they could have, you know, diabetes, hypertension, yeah. blood pressure. And when I was on my rotations, you know, my clinical preceptors, you know, they dosed the same five drugs, you know, 365 days a year, you know, for 10 years. And they're like, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what a diabetes drug name looks like, you know? Yeah. And so I think <laughs> residency has always been something that I didn't really just even spend too long looking into. But um, what really changed my perspective on that was when um, I just started talking to um, uh, professors over at UT and also just for what we were working on, you know, at the time I, 
um, I was really wanting to do a transitions of care um, program or pilot. And I started working with um, uh, one of the outcomes professors, um, Tish Matsugumba um, at UT. And we were doing all this really cool research and planning and all of this stuff. And it was something that I just realized, like, man, like, this is so cool. Like, I never thought that when I was in um, pharmacy school wanting to do independent pharmacy that I could do research or I could do new clinical services. And like that adaptability or that flexibility that independent pharmacies provide, it's something that every time I talk to an owner or every time I would talk to um, uh, our owner here, Mark, um, he would tell me, he's like, man, I have to learn it on my own. I had to figure it out. I had to, um, you know, get a mentor and, and just, you know, kind of like fumble my way through it until I could feel confident in this. And so, um, and Mark is like so smart and an incredible businessman and, and a boss and owner. And um, it was just so cool. And, and he's mentored me so, um, in such a great way. And we've learned so much um, as well. It was just a natural progression to have one, have a resident be able to come into our pharmacy and help us really kickstart all of these new clinical services um, and also provide that opportunity to help train the next kind of independent pharmacy owners and managers. And so the whole idea when we started the residency program um, kind of selfishly was for me to help my, you know, help me because <laughs> I'm only one pharmacist, right? And yeah. I have, you know, I've got plenty of help here, but to, to work on these projects that would take a lot of time and effort um, to have a, a, um, a pharmacist that could come in and help me do that. Um, but the more, you know, Mark and I talked about what we wanted it to be, it, it really shaped into an ownership residency. And so um, that's what we offer. And our first resident's name was Trey. Um, yeah, and, and we love Trey. He was amazing. Great resident, um, you know, first person in our program. And his father and grandfather um, have their own independent pharmacy in Florida. And so basically, Trey wanted experience, real world experience on what does it take to run a pharmacy? What does it take to, yeah, like they didn't do immunizations at his, his uh, family pharmacy. They didn't do medicine. They didn't do all these things. Mm -hmm. And he needed and wanted to get the, the training and the experience and to see what it was like to, to do all these things. So when he went back to take over his family pharmacy, he felt confident in his ability. And that's really kind of our kind of like guiding light to the program now is, you know, uh, any student that wants to know how to run a pharmacy and create new services, you know, and run financials and do, you know, payroll and, and figure out what it takes to actually run their own pharmacy because it's scary, you know, trying to do that, you know, on your own dime or, or you know, put even more loans in your name after school mm -hmm. and, and buy a store. But, you know, let's have someone get in here for a year and teach them what it's like to balance your books and do a break-even analysis and run financials and monitor, you know, your, your script count and uh, how do you hire, how do you interview people, you know, all of these things, how do you run COVID testing, you know, all of these things that kind of play into it. And so we're on our third resident now, Jess, um, and same kind of thing. She wanted that experience um, to learn how to run a pharmacy, you know, and so it, it, she's done a great job and she's actually, you know, right now, like creating a diabetes education program um, through conjunction of a, of a grant through PSN. And she's getting exactly what she wants to do. She was like, I want to learn how to make a diabetes program. And that's exactly what she's doing. So it's been a lot of fun. And all, all of my, my pharmacists and my staff have been super supportive and, 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 and helping our residents. But it's such a cool program. And 
I think it's something a lot of owners would probably have appreciated, you know, when they, they just start out too. Yeah. Well, that sounds amazing. I mean, you know, I, I would not even imagine that something like that even existed in term, from a residency perspective. You know, a lot of times we hear about residency, it's like, especially in community, it's, um, you know, at a, at a corporate um, chain residency and, you know, you're doing corporate side kind of projects. But um, this definitely sounds um, like a really awesome opportunity. So I, I definitely hope people will check that out um, on, on yeah, your website. Um, yeah. The last thing, too, I wanted to touch on was kind of involvement. Um, I think that's something that's important to you. I think you had just gotten a new role um, with the state association. Um, tell us a little bit about that and, and let's talk about involvement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on the board of the Texas Pharmacy Association, which is our uh, kind of main association here um, in Texas. And so it's just something that, um, again, as a pharmacy student, um, I was a student TPA member, but didn't truly understand kind of like the importance of um, advocacy and legislation and um, all the things that kind of play into keeping our profession um, what it is, you know, and to maintain and fight for the things that we've lost and, and fight for the things that we haven't gotten yet. And so um yeah, I'm yeah, I'm proud to serve on the board with a bunch of other dedicated uh, pharmacists and technicians from chains, hospitals, academia, like all over, working for the common good. Um, our our motto is you know together the profession advances, and it's true. It's something that whether you're a hospital pharmacist or a, a chain pharmacist or independent or an academic researcher, whatever you are, you know the profession of pharmacy needs to be fought for. And it's just something that you could see with the Supreme Court case with NCPA and, and Arkansas um, kind of fighting on the behalf of pharmacies against PBMs. So important. And even just legislation for test and treat, right? Like let's say you do a rapid strep or flu test and it's positive. Why can't we provide, you know, an antibiotic or a, a Tamiflu prescription uh, for, for that, right? Especially when there's you know, a pandemic, and I think especially with the pandemic, it's been huge, right? Um, doctor's offices were closed, and, you know, doctors are essential. Though it was very interesting to me to see that during a pandemic, you had grocery stores and pharmacies, you know, and uh, and what op- one opportunity to go into, you know, Texas starts their, their legislative session here um, in January, and what a cool opportunity to go into to session saying, Hey, remember back in March and April when, you know, everyone was shut down? Like, I never had to wake up and wonder if the pharmacy was going to be open. I knew that we were going to be open, taking care of patients, doing what we've always done, delivering, mailing, um, curbside, taking, giving immunizations, like all those things that are required to maintain public health. You know, pharmacies are there for them. And so no matter where you're at, you know, same with hospital, like they didn't have to worry about like, hey, should we are we going to be open? Like they were open, you know. And so I think it's very important for people to be involved. And if you're a pharmacist, a student, um, an intern, a technician, you have to join your state association and advocate somehow. And and if you're not either beating the pavement, support the people that are, you know, pay your dues like that goes towards paying for people to go and uh, talk to legislators and, and fight on behalf of pharmacy. And it's just so important. Um, and uh, it's something that I'm really proud to be a part of. And I hope that others kind of see the benefit and see the importance, because if we don't fight for our profession, we're just going to get tossed with the waves. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I definitely want to make sure the the profession of pharmacy is taken care of. You know. Yeah. I love that. Like just, you know, Hey, remember back in, you know, the height of, 
um, everyone freaking out and not wanting to leave their house. Who was open? Us. We were. Right. <laughs> yeah, like who's delivering prescriptions to, to you know patients that are at risk? You know, and leaving it at the door side, knocking and, and backing away. You know, it's like mm-hmm. all these other companies had to adapt. But you know, we've been delivering. Independence has been delivering prescriptions for a decade. You know, it's just yeah. it's just so funny. Like you know, I just saw a picture from 1960 of our old delivery truck. You know. 60 years ago, we were delivering prescriptions. It's just hey, so crazy to me. You need to, yeah. is there a way to get me that picture? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll, I'll post it. I'll post yeah, on RX I'll Radio and like give like a plug to say independents have been delivering since forever. Everyone's just catching up. Oh, now. for sure. Yeah. yeah send me it's that. just so funny to me. Yeah. To see, you know, like all the things that independent pharmacies have done forever and now it's some new thing. It's like not a new thing, but I think it's something that when people put uh, a level of importance on, it, it becomes widespread, right? And so when you want things to be mailed, Amazon takes off. When you want things to be delivered, you have, you know, whatever, Favor, Uber Eats, or mm-hmm. all these different things. And so I think it's really interesting to see that the demand for that type of whatever product delivery um, really rocketed delivery, which has been around for a long time. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe it means that we need to do a better job of self-promoting independence. You know, I don't know. But yeah. I think it's a very interesting um a very interesting concept for sure. Awesome. All right. Uh, bonus question. So I asked all the guests this and um, it's how we try to wrap up the the episode yeah. here. So if you had an opportunity to take one person out to dinner um, to have a conversation with, uh, who would that person be and why? But there's a couple rules for your, for your yeah. decision. The person has to be alive and famous. So they have to be alive with a, like, you know, probably a Wikipedia page so people can research them and it cannot be any yep. of the past current or past presidents. Who would that person be? And gotcha, why. man. Who would that be? So, and he says it can't be any of the current or past presidents. That's correct. And they have, so they have to be alive um, and, and famous. Yeah, interesting. Alive and famous, and yeah, I would. Oh, I would definitely want to probably talk to Bill Gates. I think um, Bill Gates is just a very interesting person, and like the philanthropy that he and his wife do through their foundation, I think is pretty incredible, and so. I'm very interested in, in, in people's motivations and why people do things and their kind of heart behind it. And so I'd really be interested in talking to Bill Gates. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I would I would definitely like a conversation with him. If I do end up talking to him and um, need to get that set up, I'll definitely let you know. Um. Definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife and I talk about that all the time. You know, like, you know, uh, someday, you know, when we're kind of like ready to to do something new, you know, like, you know, it'd be interesting to be able to volunteer for, you know, I don't know, for something like that or yeah. like a cause and stuff. So. Cool. All right. Well, uh, so much insight we got through here, uh, through this episode. I really do appreciate your time. Can you tell us what's the best way to kind of connect back with you um, if they wanted to? Yeah, absolutely. So email is always a great way for me. Um, so yeah, Rannon, R-A-N-N-O-N at terrytownpharmacy.com. Yeah. My first name is kind of like Canon with an R. Um, so that's what I always tell people. So yeah, email is great. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, Randon, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Richard.
Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I'm going to include all of the um, uh, information for Terrytown in the show notes. Uh, so feel free to reach out um, if you have anything to follow up with. Um, I really enjoyed that episode. So much insights about texting um, and where things are going with pharmacy and, and um, operations. So I really hope you guys did enjoy that. Uh, feel free to connect with me on any of your favorite social media platforms. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.